one of the most amazing and powerful things within this world is wind. So much of what is in our world is affected by the reality of wind from significant forces that can either bring a lot of great things or a lot of destruction. You know, this world is affected by wind, by the things that we cannot see. You know, wind is fascinating because you can't see it, you can't touch it, but you see the effects of wind all around you. And the same is true in our life and in our journey. So much of what we see is affected by what we do not see. Every day of your life, you're affected by what you do not see. This is the reality of the collision course of what is spiritual and what is physical. Make no mistake about it, my friends. Every day of your life, you are impacted and you are in a collision course of what is spiritual. Every day, you are in contact with the spiritual realm. And our world and our lives are so affected by the things that we do not see. You know, so often, if you're like me, you turn on the news and you get so disappointed with what you see. Or you see the brokenness in the world and you see all the disappointment. You see the hardships and the heartaches. Or you get that horrific phone call and you just get upset. And then you see people that you think you could make a difference. You could do something about it. And then we make those people or that thing the enemy or the thing that has all of our anger or rage. But the reality is this. The issue is never the issue. That, prob- that person is not your problem. It's always something beyond what we can see. The spiritual realm. The Apostle Paul put it this way with the reality of things that are behind the scenes and how they work in compliance and, and kind of guide things with what is seen. Paul wrote it this way in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the hem- heavenly realms. You see what Paul is saying here? This is when we see what is spiritual and what is physical collide. That person, he's not your enemy. He's not. That other person, they're not going to change things the way that you want them to change things. Why? Because that is not the issue. The issue is what's going on beyond what we can see. The issue is the spiritual battle. You see, my friends, we live in a very complex world. God, the creator of everything that is, in all of his grandeur and splendor, in all of his complexity, created this world. And so you better believe that we live in a very complex world that is a a running force, a running trend, a running uh, path that is physical and that is both spiritual, that are always colliding with each other. Always colliding with each other. And that's what makes the complexity of this world so so big and so, so real. And because of that, there are forces beyond what we can see, good and evil. You know, the devil, he desires for you just to think that he's just an overactive, that, that's overactive imagination. That maybe he's not real. That maybe it's just all made up with these religious fanatics who just want to kind of highlight that's evil and what causes everything. And, and it's not really a real reality. That, that the devil's not really there. Some people live in this realm that, you know what? Maybe if I don't do make good choices, it's kind of fun. I kind of enjoy it. You know, it's not that bad. It's not big. Who am I really hurting? Let's just have fun in life, right? And then we kind of turn evil choices into what we feel are good choices. And you know what happens when we do that? The devil wins. 
the devil wins. Or some of us, we see all the brokenness, we see all the disappointment, we see all the hardship that is in the world and all the situation that's going on, and we start to see other people or other things as the enemy. That person's my problem. If that person wasn't there, this world would be in a different place. If I didn't have to deal with this person at work, life would be so much better. And then we start to view those people as the problem. And you know what happens when our mindset gets focused on that? The devil wins. The devil's desire is to constantly shift our focus away from the reality to transform our our minds. Because he knows when he can transform our minds, he has our hearts. Did you know Satan literally means an adversary or opposer? John chapter 8, it call, he's called the father of lies. In other words, Satan opposes everything that is of God. He doesn't want you anywhere near God. Jesus' heart that we've been talking about the past couple of weeks, his heart is to guide us on a path towards righteousness. We talked about this. You know, Righteousness is this Bible fancy word to being right before God. God's heart is to guide us on that path towards righteousness. Satan's ambition is to knock you off that path. That's his ambition. That's his intention. That's his goal. Because he he wants to transform your thoughts. Because he knows if he can change your thoughts, if he can change your focus, he wins. He wins. Jesus' heart is the goddess on that path. Satan's is not. And here, please understand me, guys. What consumes your mind controls your heart. What consumes your mind controls your heart. That's why in the New Testament, Paul wrote in Colossians chapter 3, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. It's vital that we know what or who has our focus. Because what or who has our focus has you. Has you. The issue is never the issue. There's so much more going on behind the scenes. And we're in this constant um, connection with the spiritual realm. Every one of us. Every day of your life, whether you realize it or not, you are interacting with not just what is physical, but what is spiritual. Every day of your life. And so you better know, who am I connecting with? Who's taking control of my focus? Because whoever has my focus has my heart. And there's only two choices. There's no in-between. You're either being influenced by God towards the path of righteousness or you're being influenced by the devil and what is evil that is constantly causing you to jump off track of that path towards righteousness, towards your own heart, towards destruction. And that's the reality of the spiritual warfare that's going on all around us. You know, in our Jesus encounter story today, we get a front row seat of the collision of what is spiritual and what is physical. It's found in Mark chapter 5. <clears throat> in Mark chapter 5, we run into this man that the Bible says is demon-possessed. He is consumed and controlled by what is evil. And here the Bible tells us that he is so overwhelmed with evil, people have tried to calm him down, and he was so strong because of the evilness that consumed him, they couldn't bind him. And he was completely isolated. He found himself living within the tombs and away from the people and away from the town. And he would cry out day and night, 
And he just kept cutting himself. And you know what evil does? It isolates us. God created us for community. God's heart is to develop us within a community that draws us on the path towards righteousness to experience him. Ultimately, have be in community with him. The devil wants to lead us towards isolation. Well, how does that happen? The more that I get controlled by my own choices, by my own poor choices, I find myself pushing other people away. You know why? Because evil, in the heart of all that is evil, it is self-focused and self-indulged. That is evilness. And the more that the devil can adjust our mind to think it's all about me, what's in it for me, what can I get out of this, and we run towards our own selves, the more we find ourselves in isolation and we push other people away because evil is typically self-focused and self-motivated. This man was living in complete isolation. Complete isolation. God's heart is for us to be in community, in a community that draws us towards him. And then this happened. Verses 6 through 7 of Mark chapter 5. When the man saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. And he shouted out at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. Here in this moment, we see the violent crisis that is within this man. The violent crisis of when what is evil clashes with what is good. And that's the crisis that so many of us live in in our day and age. You know, because God in his creation of you gave you the spirit to guide you and lead us. The spirit of God is there within us to guide us and lead us. We know it as our conscience. But can I tell you something? Science will never be able to explain the reality of God's working in this world, of the spiritual realm, of what is the spirit of God working. Science will never be able to understand that. We've tried to define what the conscience is, but we've never really understood it scientifically. Why? Because it's beyond what is physical. It's beyond what is physical. You see, our conscience is the spirit of God that's prodding us to make the right choices, to guide us towards the path of righteousness. That's his heart. And so when the war that starts to happen within our own heart is when the devil begins to play tricks in our minds that leads us away from that, that leads us away from the heart of God. And so we have this internal war of what is right and what is not of right. You see, he's always doing that because not only does evil isolate, but evil creates that internal conflict. It always does. You know, when the devil's mind game consumes our thoughts, he then begins to consume and control our lives. That's why the Bible says the devil is the father of lies who masquerades as an angel of light. He is trying to trick you to lead you away from God. That's his desire. He knows the battleground is your mind. And he's going to try to win that over with your mind over and over again. And you know what? You have to be careful because we're always going to make choices that, honor, that go against God as the ultimate authority in our life. And so, so often we have to be careful because the more we give him permission, the more he takes over. I don't know this man's story. 
in Mark chapter 5. I don't know how the, how the devil got a hold of him. I don't know how the demons controlled him. But I know at some point he gave them permission. You see, understand this, my friends. The devil has no control over your life except for what you give him control of. He cannot enter in your life. He cannot consume you unless you give him permission. So how does that happen? That happens when we start to allow the temptation to become actions in our life and we, <clears throat> and we give in to them. That's when that happens. You know, when we, lure, when we allow ourselves to fall prey to the temptation, he gets control of us. And can I just be honest with you? The devil's no, no softy. He knows what he's doing. And he's going to try to make things that look good. He masquerades as an angel of light to twist and distort what seems right to draw you away from God back to him. Away from God. You know, and you know when he really tempts you? The greatest ground where he's going to win, when you know the devil's going to attack, is when you're tired, when you're hungry, or when you're stressed. You go back to when Jesus was tempted in the desert for 40 days. What was Jesus' physical presence? He was tired. He was stressed. He was hungry. Satan's no dummy. He is going to use your physical weaknesses to win the battle of your mind. He is. And so, so often, we get consumed and controlled by the devil in those moments when we're tired, when we're stressed, when we're hungry, you better believe in those moments, the devil's coming. He's coming. And I better be prepared in those moments when he's coming to choose to do what is right so I can follow him fully because he's going to make things look what is right and make things look okay. And I cannot give him permission to do that. But you know what? I still struggle, Bill. I struggle because... In those moments, maybe I'll have a plan to make good choices when I'm tired, when I'm hungry, when I'm stressed, because I know the devil's coming, so how am I prepared in those moments to stand firm against the temptations that are coming so I don't fall in? But you know what? Because he masquerades as an angel of light, there's some things that I don't, are they really wrong? I mean, they seem good. They seem okay. They seem like not a big deal. So how can I define what is a right choice and what is not a, not a right choice? You know what it all goes back to? is the Bible. You see, God will never contradict himself. Never. And if you see any contradiction in what you feel is the right thing to do, but it goes against what the Bible says, guess what? It's probably wrong. Because God will never contradict himself. Never. And that's why it's so important that we have the Bible and we're invested in God's word. We're having those daily encounters so that in those moments when I'm tired and I'm stressed or, or I'm hungry and I know the devil's a-coming, in those moments I'm ready. Why? Because the Bible says hide his word in your heart so that you might not sin against him. That's why the Bible says that. God might have known something. Because he knows in those moments when you're physically weak and the devil comes on coming, you're not going to be able to go, what? No, what did Jesus do in those moments he was tempted? He said, the devil to the devil, this is what the word says. Every time. Because he had the Bible hidden in his heart. The truth of God hidden in his heart. And you can too. But you're still like, Bill, I still wrestle with that because there's some things that the, that the world says is okay and the Bible doesn't really 
specifically speak into how can we know what's right and wrong sometimes because it just seems like there's so many gray areas. And I'll give you that. There's a lot of gray areas. I get that. There's some things that are hard to fully comprehend in this collision course of what is spiritual and what is physical. But I will say this. If you invest into God's word, you have a daily encounter with God in his word, you will begin to realize God's heart. And the more you invest in the word and you understand God's heart, I believe you will start to realize God's answers in the gray. You will see it. You will see it. But if you're not spending time with him, you won't understand what the answers are when the devil comes, comes, because he's coming. There's a spiritual battle going on in the world of what we do not see, and every one of us are in the battle, every one of us. And we need to be prepared. We were prepared by taking care of ourselves physically and, and being prepared and knowing that, okay, when I'm tired, when I'm stressed and when I'm hungry, he's coming. That's why so often, why, people, why late at night, sin tends to spike up, because you're tired, you're hungry, you're stressed, right? Go to bed. <laughs> but in those moments, you have to be prepared. You gotta have a game plan. God, the, I'm sorry, the devil is coming. Am I hiding God's word in my heart that I might not sin against him? That in those moments, I can make the right choice. Because in those moments when you're tempted, here's, here's, here's the temptation path, you ready? Part, the part of the battle and temptation is this knowing what is right and wrong. You know what's right and wrong, A, by the conscience that God, get, that, that God gave to us through his spirit. And we also know what is right and wrong based upon our investment in God's word. The more we know God's heart, the more we can determine what is right and wrong. That's the easy part. The hard part is when you do know what's right and wrong, the devil's still coming. And he's going to keep luring. Yeah, but what's the big deal? Who am I really going to hurt? I know it's not right, but no, one, no one's here. No one's going to see it. I mean, it's not really going to affect anybody, right? And that's the devil's win. Because every step we take towards that temptation, guess what happens? He gets a little bit more of your heart. He controls you a little bit more every step. And what seemed like not a big deal this time and we're thinking, you know what, next time he comes, he's going to come at the same angle. And we're going to think, you know what, I, why was it so bad last time? I'll do it again. And then you do it again. And before you know it, you start doing things that you said you would never do. And you're becoming a person you said you would never become. And it was just those baby steps. And it's all about giving him more and more authority in your life. Because he was winning the battle of your mind. So what does that happen? First, I got to know what's right and wrong based upon God's word. And secondly, I have to have enough strength to run. I've got to run. There's times with like Joseph in the Old Testament when I know, boy, I'm just getting tempted so beyond what I can control right now. I just got to run out of this environment. You know, if, I'm, if, if this environment is going to cause me to sin, I can't go in that environment anymore, at least until I have control of it, whatever that may be. If, if going on the computer late at night, I can't control myself and it causes me to sin, then guess what? I better have a plan and not open that computer at night. 
You know, if, 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 if drinking that drink or, or doing that thing or hanging out with that group of people causes me constantly to be pulled into sin, i got to change the environment. i got to run from it. Because otherwise it's going to control me. You have something that is authority in your life. It's either God guiding you toward the path of righteousness or it is evil that's constantly derailing you from that path. Those are the only two things. And we need to be honest with what temptation is and how we're running from it, how we're fleeing from it, and using the Bible as our guide to life. You know, going back to our story, this man, he, he was isolated. He had the internal conflict going on. And then there he was, Jesus. This man that everybody was talking about was on the shoreline getting out of his boat. The Bible says this man saw Jesus he wanted Jesus to help him. He wanted to seek Jesus. Yet the demon, the evil that consumed him, the evil that was controlling him, the evil that was, had the authority in his life was trying to overpower him. And then this internal crisis was going on, the internal crisis that we all have that we just talked about. And because of this internal co- co- conflict, wanting Jesus, yet the evil consuming us, he felt himself, this man felt himself attracted to Jesus and repelled by him at the same time. Interesting, because I've been there. Maybe you've been there too. It's when the internal conflict of what is good and what is evil, what is the right choice and what is not the right choice, becomes such a war in your life. That's like everything in me is just in this battle. I want Jesus. I, I, I like him. I want to seek him. But you know what? Can he just not tell me not to do this? Right? It's that internal conflict of it being attracted to Jesus and being repelled by him all at the same time. And it's who wins that battle is what matters. This is the battle of good and evil. And it creates that internal conflict. And how you deal with that makes a big difference. But here we see this conflicted man. Conflicted of what is good. He wanted to seek Jesus and what was evil consuming him. And he ran to Jesus. And then the Bible says that when he got to Jesus on that shoreline, he just fell on his knees. He fell on his knees right before Jesus. And in this moment, we see all of the gospel and all the future eternal things that the Bible says come into reality. In this moment, on this shoreline, Paul wrote in Philippians 2, One day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And here in this moment, we see that future reality in reality in this moment. Because here this man... And the demons that consumed him, all bowing down and acknowledging, Jesus, you are Lord of Lords. You are the authority. Wow, what a powerful moment this was. When all that is, both physical and spiritual, bowed before Jesus as Lord. You are King of Kings. You are Lord of Lords. One day... You and myself and every person that has ever had the breath of life will bow down before the throne of God, acknowledging his authority. The question is, whose side will we be on on in that moment? Because if you're not with Jesus by then, 
missed it. And like the demons, you'll be acknowledging in fear, not in celebration. But here we see the demons in their acknowledgement of Jesus' authority in all of fear, realizing you, you say where we go. And they shouted out through this man's voice. The demons are now shouting out through this man's voice. What do you want with me, Jesus? Are you going to torture me? You see, they knew. They knew their future. They knew their future of torment and torture and their ambition just to bring everybody with them to be tortured and tormented for all eternity. And they thought, is this it? Is this the time that we now have to go into our eternity? I mean, are you going to send us there? Just don't send us there yet. You see, in this moment, the demons, everything that is evil, acknowledge what their future held, and they acknowledge that their authority ultimately is Jesus. My friends, don't miss this truth. Jesus is the ultimate authority, and through him, good always wins. Always. Always. And in this moment, Jesus showed his authority. He showed his authority that my job is always going to be fighting for us to be on that path towards righteousness. And in Mark 5, 8, Jesus said to him, to the demons, you come out of this man, you impure spirit. Come out of him. Why? Because God, Jesus wanted this man to be on the path towards righteousness. And then we have this fun dialogue of Jesus asking, what's your name? And the demon said, we are, my name is Legion because we are many. There's a couple thousands, at least, demons that are consuming this man. He's so controlled by what is evil. And the demons begged him, begged Jesus to not send them out of the area. And they're like, hey, there's a bunch of pigs over there. Can you send us in those pigs and just, we'll take care of the pigs. And in verse, five, verse 13 of chapter 5, Jesus gave them permission. And the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. And the herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. This is one of the scenes of the Bible that if I could time travel, I would love to go back to the scene. Because, I mean, could you just imagine what everybody's just sitting there thinking, everybody's just kind of hanging out, and all of a sudden all these pigs go crazy. You know, it's like... YouTube craziness, pigs gone wild. And here they are running down the hill into the water. Everybody's thinking, what happened to all the pigs? But in this moment, something phenomenal happened. Jesus set this man free toward the path of righteousness and got rid of all the demons. All that was evil went into the pigs. But you know this verse 13? I'll just be honest, this is one of the verses through my faith journey I've wrestled with a lot. And maybe you didn't specifically wrestle with this verse, but the same thing that, same thing I had to struggle with, you probably struggle with too. I mean, it, it, it becomes a faith, faith crisis sometimes for some of us. He gave them permission. I, I, I wrestle with those words sometimes. 
I mean, it sounds great. I mean, when, when he's throwing demons into herds of pigs and everybody's celebrating, like, this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen on YouTube. How awesome is this? And, and Jesus gives us victory in our life, whatever we're trying to overcome. It, it's great to say he gave them permission, right, it, to acknowledge that Jesus is the authority. That's ultimately what this is acknowledging, that nothing happens without Jesus' approval. Nothing happens without his say-so. Jesus, God, is the ultimate authority. That's what's being revealed in this verse and throughout the Bible. And it's easy to celebrate that when it goes our way, when he answers the prayers the way we want them to answer. But I'll tell you what, there's many times I sit down on this verse and I struggle with it. I struggle with it because life doesn't always go the way I want it to go. He doesn't always answer my prayers the way I want him to answer. He doesn't always give the victory that I hope to see the victory the way I want to see victory. And I turn on the news and I see all the junk going on around the world. And I think, God, where are you? I get the horrific calls of people I love who are sick or who, who had a tragic accident. And I just wonder, God, they're such good people. Why? Heal them. And he doesn't always answer the prayers the way I ask him to. And I go back to this. I wrestle with it. Jesus, you are king of kings. You are lord of lords. You have ultimate authority. Nothing happens without your permission. So why? I think that's where we get to it. If you're like me, you have a bunch of why questions. God, if, if you're good, you're in control, why? And can I just be honest with you? There's just a lot of these why questions that we will not fully be able to answer all the details on this side of heaven. I got my list of questions. Hey, God, when I get up there, get ready. I got some questions. Right? And unfortunately, we just can't answer all these questions. All I can say, what I've come to in these moments is, how can I understand God's heart more? What does this mean? You know, here's the reality in God's heart. You see, his heart is that we will love him the same way that he loves us. And because of that, he gave us all the opportunity to choose. He gave us all. You know, he did everything possible to show us love, to come to us, because why? He loves you so desperately. He loves you so intimately that he died on that cross. He says, I gave everything to show you I love you. I love you that much. You, you he died for. And more than anything, he wants you to love him the same. And here's the truth. You know, he's not just going to force you to love him. Let's just be honest, okay? I think we can all get this. If you force love, what type of love is that really? I mean, you see nations where dictators say, you're going to love me. Do the people really love them? In any married relationship, for those of you who are married, I mean, go ahead, try it. You go home today, you tell your spouse, you're going to love me, and I'm going to tell you how. You better find us some bedding for the couch, right? It's not going to work out. God's not going to force you to love him, because that's not real love. God wants, his heart is he wants you to love him the way that he loves you. 
how he gave up his life for you, he wants you to choose him. He gave us a choice. And here's the bad thing. We don't always make the right choice. I don't always choose him the way I should. We don't. And that's what sin does. If you go back to the Garden of Eden when sin first entered the world and you read through the Old Testament, we don't have time to get into all that stuff, but go back and read the story from Genesis on. You will see when sin entered, what it began to do, the story that you see to begin to play out is the reality that sin brings decay and destruction. And from that point on, from the Garden of Eden, when everything was perfect, from that point on, we see the slow decay and slow destruction of what sin does in the world. And it happens not just for us personally, but it happens physically all throughout the world. Sin decays and destroys everything. And that's what we see happen. That's why we see it getting worse and worse and worse in the world. The decay and destruction of sin in our world. And unfortunately, we all sin. And we add on to that. And also, because we all sin, our sin affects other people. And a lot of us are dealing with collateral damage because of other people's poor choices. Sin is just this intertwined mess that destroys everything in its way. And our opportunity to choose to determine and to decide, we ultimately are saying, who has authority in my life? I know many people say, Bill, I choose my path. I am my boss. No, you're not. No, you're not. You are under the authority of something. What controls your mind, what consumes your thoughts, and what has your heart. That what has the authority in your life. It's either God towards a path of righteousness or being derailed towards what is evil. There's really no middle ground. Which path are you following? And please understand this. Evil, the devil, has no power over you unless you give in to him and allow him to take over. Going back to God's heart, God's ultimate heart is to guide you and me and all of us on a path towards righteousness. To be right before him. In the Old Testament, Proverbs 4, it says this. I instruct you in the way of wisdom and lead you along the straight paths. Here's the hard thing that I can't always have the answer. And I'm not going to pretend like I always have the answer. When we deal with the wise, this is the one why I've seen in God's heart. Everything he gives permission to. Everything he allows is ultimately to guide us towards him. He wants us not to be in love with what is physical. He wants us to be in love with what is spiritual and eternal, and that's him. He is freedom. He is everlasting. He is ultimately what we need. And I know that doesn't always take the pain away. It always doesn't make it feel good doesn't always answer all the questions that we have that's his heart his heart is to have your heart and his heart is to allow whatever to guide you to that and to guide me to that and I'm a knucklehead sometimes I have to make the same choices and mistakes over and over again like oh okay that's okay sorry 
Let's not do that again. Right? The battle is real. And it's God's heart is for us to connect with him what is spiritual and what is eternal. And it all comes down to what authority do you give your life to? What authority do you give your life to? Following Jesus does not mean everything's going to be hunky-dory and okay and great in this world or in your life. We live in a world that's broken by sin and the decay and destruction of sin. That's always going to be there. That's what the Bible said. But I knew, do know in the chaos, there is peace. It's with him. For this man in Mark chapter 5, I don't know how it happened. I don't know what led him to being so consumed by the evil and, and the demons. Somewhere along the way, he probably was dabbling in it. He kind of opened his heart up to it. But here he was. Evil was his authority until he ran to Jesus. But in that moment for that, the evilness created a stronghold in his life. And that's what happens in our life too. The battleground is your mind. And when, when the devil can win the battleground of your mind and get your focus away from God, then he controls your heart. And before you know it, the things that you're latching on to become strongholds in your life. And they consume your life and you control your life. And some of you sitting here today have strongholds in your life that's time to let go. It's time to let go. Whatever that sin struggle is, whatever that hardship is, whatever that thing that consumes your mind, it's time to let it go and let God in. You know, with this man, how he let it go, he just ran to Jesus. And Jesus has the ability to set you free from the strongholds in your life. He will set you free. He will set you free. So, so often we lose the battle. Why? Because we just focus on the stronghold and we think we can't let it go. You can't. You won't. That's why we need Jesus. Satan wants you to focus on that stronghold because he knows whatever has your mind, whatever has your focus, has your heart. And the more he can just have you focus on the stronghold, the more he wins. But the more we can turn and focus on Jesus, and he becomes our focus, guess what? He then begins, gets our heart, and he sets us free. This man, God set him free. And you can imagine, he was set free, the pigs went running, life was going crazy, you know, in the, in the normal average town that that was. And then he became the talk of the town. You know, social media was there, it would have been firing up on the Twitter feed and the, so, and the Facebook Connect stuff, you know. And there he was. He was the talk of the town. Everybody was like, what just happened? And they came in Mark 5, 17. Then the people began to plead with Jesus. To leave their region. This breaks my heart. Breaks my heart. Here was a man who needed Jesus. And maybe the people got sick of him and they were tired of him and they're like, we're just sick of dealing with this guy if he can just go away. And then they saw what happened to the pigs, those poor pigs. Right? And they came to Jesus and said, you know what? We don't want you here. 
Can you go? In this moment, the whole crowd, the whole crowd said to Jesus, we care more about the stinking pigs than we do that man. We care more about what just happened, how it affected me and what I want, rather than what God is really doing here. Jesus, just go. And what a scary place to be. And I think we do that too. In many ways, we tell Jesus, I don't really want you here because I'm more concerned about what's in it for me, what I want in this moment. And if you're not going to give me what I want, just get out of here. That's a scary place to be. Because please understand this. Jesus will not abide where he is not wanted. When you go back to the story, in all of our records of, in the Gospels and historian writings, guess what? We don't have any record of Jesus ever going back to this place. Never again did he go back there. If you ask him to leave, he'll, okay, that's your choice. That is a scary place to be. In, the, in Revelation, Jesus is talking to the church in, in Revelation 2 in the church in Ephesus. And he's saying, listen, you guys have done a lot of great things. You're feeding the poor. You're taking care of the homeless. I mean, you're, you're providing meals for the sick people. I mean, you're doing a lot of great things. But guess what? Doing a lot of good things, it's not the most important thing. And you guys are doing a lot of great things, but you're missing the most important. Something else has your heart. I don't have your heart, Jesus is telling them. And he says this in Revelations 2, 5. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. When Jesus is rejected... He'll move on, and he takes his light with him. That is a scary place to be. I don't know about you, when I'm in a dark place, and I don't have my flashlight, I'm banging into trees quite a bit. I'm not good without the light. None of us are. None of us are. Jesus is the light in this world to guide us. And we say, God, I don't need you. He'll take his light and go home. And then we're left to figure out how to walk this world in the darkness. That's not a good place. They didn't want him there. They were more concerned about what they felt they loved, what was physical. And they completely missed the reality of what was spiritual right in front of them. We love this world way too much, guys. We love this world way too much. And when this world has all of our focus and controls our heart, it pulls us away from the reality of what God wants to be in our life. Who he wants to be for you. Jesus is the one who saves. He is the one who tears down the strongholds. And this man, people said, get out of here, Jesus. He said, okay. He just turns around and he's getting back in his boat. He's like, see you guys. And this man's running to him and he says, Jesus, can I go with you? I'm sure this guy's thinking, this town's a bunch of knuckleheads. Do they see the pigs? 
and said, I just want to be with you, Jesus. I just want to be with you. And Jesus turns around and he says in verse 19, he didn't let him go. And Jesus told him, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. That's huge. Jesus said, listen, you now have a story. You have a story of what I just did in your life. How I set you free. And your story is powerful. Don't hide your story. The world needs your story. Go tell it. You see, what Jesus revealed in there is what he said many times other in scripture. The world's going to reject me. And, and you can't come home yet. Because I need you. I need you in this world to share your story. Okay? I need you. So you go share your story. And allow my story to change lives. What's, what's your next step? You know, as we kind of come to a conclusion of this whole story that we talked about today, there is so much to unravel here. There's so much to this one encounter that we all deal with at different levels. But what's your next step in this? What's your next step in this journey? Some of you may need to be real with yourselves and saying, Bill, I have some strongholds in my life. I have some strongholds that are winning the battle. I have some things that are just consuming my mind that, if I'm honest, has control of my heart. Maybe I've dabbled into some, some poor choices that I don't know how to break free from. I need to break free from these, these strongholds. Can I just tell you, you can have victory in that battle. You can have victory in that battle. But you have to run to Jesus. If that's you, if you need someone to help you, we want to walk along with you to beat, to overcome the strongholds that are in your life. Why don't you come back to the Engage Impact booth and we would love to pray with you and walk with you in that journey. If you're online, reach out to your host right now and they would love to, to help direct you on the path to find victory in that, to run towards Jesus. Or just simply on the Connect card, just write Set Free and someone will follow up with you this week to begin that journey to pray with you. How can you overcome the strongholds in your life? Maybe some of you are here wrestling with Bill. I have a lot of why questions. I'm just mad at God. I mean, he's the ultimate authority. All these things happen with his permission. Are you wrestling with that? Many of us have wrestled with that. And you don't have to wrestle with it alone. If you want to sit down and have a cup of coffee and talk through those why questions, I'll be honest with you, I don't have all the answers. But we'll journey together to explore the heart of God. To experience him more and more. Or maybe some of you, it's like, Bill, I've been set free. God's good in my life. But you haven't been sharing your story. There's someone in your life that needs to hear your story. What God has done in your life. You know, at the beginning of the year, we talked about our high five challenge. And it's worth coming back around to. You know, if you weren't here and you don't know what that is, the high five challenge is every one of us has at least five people in our life, in our line of sight, who desperately needs the hope of Jesus. Who are five people in your life, in your line of sight, who needs the hope of Jesus? Write those five people down and make a commitment from this day forward that you're going to pray for them every single day. Pray for them every single day. And look, seek, find the opportunities. They'll happen. 
find the opportunities to share your story with them of what God has done in your life and invite them to church to come join you. And I believe if you pray that prayer for God to open those doors, it will happen. It will happen. Or for whatever reason, in 30 days, you're like, Bill, I've been praying for them and, and opening for doors, but it hasn't happened. That's okay. In those cases, okay, no door was open. I didn't get a chance to share my story. Then you find a way to bless them in a big way. You find a way to bless them and just see what God does. Some of you need to do that. There's people that God has placed in your life that needs to hear your story of what God's done to do in your life. They need to experience his hope. Don't hold it from them. Share their story. This guy who was just released from the demons, who was set free, he's probably thinking, I can't do that. There's no way. You got the wrong person. No, I got the right person because I saw what I just did for you. Go share that story. Share the goodness of God in your life to others and see what doors God opens up. Invite them to church. Help them to experience the hope that you have and see the blessings that God just kind of unravels out. What's your next step? We all have a next step. If it's to overcome a stronghold or you just need to talk through, I'm upset with God, I need to answer some of these questions, why? Let's get together, myself or someone else on our team. Or maybe there's someone that you need to share your story with. Don't leave this place without identifying what's my next step. And let's move forward to experience the hope of God in our life as he sets us free. Let's pray together. Father, you are good. In this moment, we just run to you. Lord, help us to experience you in a whole new way. Lord, we just want to experience all your goodness. Lord, I just want to pray right now for those here today that has a stronghold in their life that's been consuming them. Lord, we know the battle is real in our minds that, cons that eventually consumes our hearts. And Lord, right now, just help us to turn to you. And Lord, for anybody in this place or online right now who's struggling with, with some sort of stronghold, Lord, I just pray that they run towards you. Surround themselves with people who will speak your truth and your love and your grace into their life, that they may experience your freedom and your victory. Lord, I'm sure there's people here today right now that are really wrestling as they turn on the news or they de deal with just the disappointments in life, the questions of why. Why? Lord, I just pray that you help us to, to experience your heart. And Lord, just um, if they need to talk to somebody, I pray that you help them find the right person to deal with those questions. And Father God, for those that have found victory in their life, Lord, put into our path the people that we need to share hope with. And may we be willing and may we take the steps to share our story, to share your hope of what you've done in our life that you may be a blessing in their life. Lord God, just may you move in a mighty way. You are good, and we thank you for who you are. It's in your name we pray, amen.